Hey, but I need a pee pee break. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, and remember, I'm only as hip as my guest. And I got to tell you, the gentleman on my show today, he won't remember this, but around 11 years ago, I was living in L.A., and I was at my favorite uh, watering hole, Volcano in Burbank, and he was sitting at a table, and I had the waiter send him a drink over, and I think it was a Dewar's, and after he came up and talked to me, and I had a hat on, and he said I looked like his first agent or manager, Murray or Morty. And he probably doesn't remember it, but it was 11 years ago, and he's on the show today, and you know him from uh, Scarface, and you know him from uh, Ray Donovan. You know him from a Rhythmics video. I don't know if you people knew that. And my guest is Stephen Bauer. How you doing, Stephen? Jesus, bless your heart, Stevie. God, I can't believe that. I remember Joaquino, and I remember an incident, or an a moment where somebody just sent me a drink and it was some scotch that my dad drank and I, at the time I was drinking scotch um, and um, and Joaquino had these incredible sushi dishes there was like sushi on steroids right yeah and uh, and uh, and uh, in West Hollywood and was it in no West this is one in Burbank it was Burbank because I was living in Burbank yeah, I was kidding. Um, and I remember that I told you that you <laughs> that you reminded me of my of one of my first agents, um, and his name was Morris Morty. It was Morty. something like that. It was Morty or Mary or I just remember that because you said because I had a hat and you kept telling me you remind me of this guy and I was just cracking up and I still remembered that and I was like because I used to go to Volcano all the time. I was walking distance and they used to have like happy hour all the time and I used to go there and just get loaded and I was probably and you came up to the bar and you were nice to us you know you, you sat there and you talked to me and a few buddies and then and then you went on your way yep yep I, I yeah I probably ate too much and I yeah I needed to go home <laughs> no they had it very very large portions and if you ordered a a um a dragon roll or something like that that had or a crab uh, roll it, it. It was a lot of food. It was enough for three people, one dish. But that was fun. So I met you before, and I was trying to place you when I when I was contacted about your podcast, and I was saying, "Where? God, he sounds familiar." There you and, go. Uh, <laughs> I so sent you doers. Doers, Scott. And I was trying to plan, uh, plan ahead and, and think, well, what are we talking about? And, and I'm in the midst of, shall I tell you? So I shot a, a campaign that is uh, available today. It's all this, um, all these items that are this, it's the second one I've done. I did one two years ago, a year and a half ago. Uh, Shoe Palace is a, a brand and they what they do is they get um very famous athletes to to be on their brand so they can put out nike shoes with michael jordan or so they get these uh these uh celebrity th things and one of the brothers three brothers from san jose california and they and one of them had this 
thing about Scarface all his life. And he said, I, I want to do a Scarface collection of apparel. And you can see it, but our audience can't. Sorry. But look at this thing. Look how beautiful. I, well, I saw the Instagram. I saw you had a, bu- you had a bunch of cool stuff. Maybe some cool like button-down shirts and cool stuff. Look at that. It's a shot of yours truly. Yeah. Right, walking through the fire right before the Rebanga thing. Um, obviously, I'm not going to wear this one. This one's going to go to a special person, but I I can just see myself walking through Bell Harbor or or um, my town of Surfside or even South Beach. Well, South Beach, I would do it, but only with bodyguards. Um, <laughs> but I'm I the stuff is beautiful. So I did the yeah uh, the Instagram. And I'm going to do an Instagram about about your show, about this show, um, just to like put people, you know, on notice so they can listen, and um, you get some some audience, some more audience, some added audience, a new audience. Exactly. Now, I want to ask you. We're talking about Scarface, but I want to ask you. You know, you came to America when you were three. Okay. At what point did you know that you wanted to be an actor? I didn't. I, ne- I never knew. I I only knew when I finally tried it after uh, after playing sports. I, I wanted to be I wanted to be Joe Namath or Roger Staubach. You know, I I could throw the ball really well, but I did not have I didn't have the patience for the playbook or for uh, coverage. For defensive coverage and and schemes, I sort of understand them now. <laughs> now that I'm not playing, but but I really wanted to 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 be a quarterback in the NFL, and then I also wanted to be Alexander the Great or you know, uh, and she you name it. I was a his his history buff because my my matern my maternal grandmother. Um, taught me history and she told me stories about the Roman Empire and the Greek Empire and uh, and so that's what I, and I saw movies when I was four or five years old with my I was taken to the theater in, in Miami I guess and I saw these movies Ben-Hur and Lawrence of Arabia and they impacted me tremendously because our life in Miami in the 1960s in the early 60s before the Beatles then I, that that impacted me too. But in the early 1960s, uh, those movies took me out of my sort of sad and humdrum um, world that my parents were undergoing as exiles and hoping to return to their lives in, in Cuba and Havana. And they never got... Of course, it never happened. But meanwhile, I was already on to the little black and white television or the giant or the big clumsy black and white television that was in our living room that I would watch every day. My dad went away to war and and he's a pilot. He was a pilot. He was a pilot. and, um, And my mom was a very very young teacher's aide and then she went on to get her her degree at the university of miami and taught 
in kindergarten for 27 years and she's still alive she's still with us and so i saw movies on tv i saw i saw andy of mayberry i saw bogart movies in black and white uh, all those films and and that's where i was in my in my mind i i was in history and the the history of civilization and i just wanted to live a different life than what i could see in my in miami in my in my parents life my family's life and i i started uh I went to school and I, like I said, I love sports and I love the NFL uh, when I discovered it. And, and, and I had a, a skill. I could throw the ball really well. I could pass really well, but I, I have long legs and I wasn't fast. So I, I wasn't that great. Uh, and I couldn't read defenses. That's the other thing. Although I, I did have the aptitude, but I just didn't want to. I wanted to sing, and I, and I sang from the time I was a little boy. And then the Beatles uh, went, went on Ed Sullivan in 64, and that was it. I, I wanted to be a Beatle. And then when the Stones hit, I wanted to be, you know, Mick Jagger. And so, and I could sing. So in high school, I started singing in the chamber singers, which is like choir. Right. And you know, it was for sissies. You know, as far as the football team, you know, cared, they were like, what are you doing, man? It's like, why are you there? And I go, because it's a class during my like open period and there's girls there. <laughs> and, and it's like, I'd rather I'd rather be there than just hanging out with you guys just talking about girls. Right. <laughs> and but I never I was I was never a player. I just I because I respected women and I always did because of my mom and how she raised us and the fact that my dad was always flying, he was always away and when he came home he my mom was, my mom's a saint, and she really instilled in us this appreciation for just for love and for nurturing. And my brother and I, Ernesto and I, just grew up that way with respect for women, and to this day. So I won't be in that in the Me Too uh, list. Ever, um, and so I'm—I would say that it, that when I was in school and I started singing and I was playing guitar, I finally had a, a guitar. Although I played musical instruments early because my mom's family, my my German Jewish grandfather, was a violinist, a concert violinist, and he married a Cuban woman um when he came to cuba in the 30s he, he left right before the holocaust and he was a violinist and he married an opera singer and an actress my grandmother my maternal grandmother who gave me all all of the art artistic 
stuff. And so I, moving right along, I could play instruments and I finally got a guitar and I learned some some chords and I started playing the songs that I loved. I mean, because I love songwriters, the, the Beatles and the Stones and, and Neil Young and, and Bob Dylan. And Bob Dylan. And later on, I would do a movie with Bob Dylan. I almost died <laughs> because because he wanted me to because he loved Scarface. He had this like he he had to tell me that he really was a fan of Scarface, and he and he thought that what Al and I did on it was so great and so so real and the chemistry that was so good and he wanted to know everything about it all every time we were off off scene uh, uh, uh you know out of the scene we, he wanted to hear about it and i'm talking to bob dylan and i just dying to ask him questions about everything i know about his life and his music but i i took it easy on him anyway <laughs> but that was, uh, I met amazing people. Uh, I met a lot of my heroes. Um, when I went to Hollywood, I had an extraordinarily colorful um, existence where I somehow managed to to have an instinct about not being taken, not being uh, taken advantage of. Uh, because I was naive, uh, because I was so, so, basic in my understanding of of good and bad and good and evil and and I just had a sense of predators when they showed up and there were many um, male and female predators because of how I how I developed as a, t a teenager and, and and as a young adult I my look sort of preceded me. And what, uh, what I determined when I went from high school, I went to college and I, and I became an actor because I thought maybe by being an actor, I could lead different lives. I could explore different lives. And other than being a history teacher, a professor or something where I'm just always dealing with history, I wanted to get in it. I wanted to be in the personalities, uh, understand the personality. So it was also psych, it was also psychology, my interests, human behavior were my interests. And stop me if I ramble, but I'm, I'm leading to something. And so when I was 17, I think uh, nearing the end of high school, I did try out for a musical and I, I did get cast, but I hurt my back playing football. And so I missed that. I almost missed graduation because my, I had hurt my vertebrae and was, but it, anyway, I, when I went to the junior college in Miami, I, on day one, I went to an audition for Tennessee Williams play summer and smoke just to see if i had any if i could if they wanted me if i could learn anything and i showed up and i did get cast 
I had they had me read and I the director and I got cast and the first the first rehearsal I got a role that is the a salesman that comes on in the final scene of the play and meets the heroine of the story and um and they go out and they walk off the stage so I have this the final scene in the play with the with the lead female and and once I was in rehearsal with this great director Ed Anderson and he explained the process and he said you get to leave your life behind we're not interested the audience is not interested in who you are they're interested in the character in the story that you play so that you are part of moving the story forward you service the playwright and that was the beginning of my understanding of of literature of drama literature and that there is great literature and then there is not so great and then there's poop <laughs> and and i i really had an idea i had an idea of this type of thing that I wanted to do. I had no dreams of stardom at all. And I still don't. And that's probably why I, that's why I'm not George Clooney. <laughs> so because I didn't I didn't strive for that. I just wanted to do really good stuff, really cool work. I wanted to be on Broadway. I wanted to to and I did work off Broadway. And did a an amazing play after Scarface. After I did Scarface, I I was friends with John Malkovich and and Gary Sinise, and they had me step into their ongoing production in in the Village in in the Circle in the Square uh, of Bomb and Gilead, which is a beautiful play about the Upper West Side in the sixties. And um, the people that inhabited it is a beautiful play, Balm and Gilead by Lanford Wilson. Absolutely beautiful. And I played this hustler, this character who, who has a moment on stage. And uh, I have a few moments, actually. But John, working with John Malkovich and with Gary and with every Glenn Headley, John's John's ex-wife. It, it was that was really really profoundly um, it, it impacted me because I finally got on stage in New York even though when I first went to New York it was because Stella Adler saw me in her summer summer sessions in LA and I I had been encouraged by a friend to attend the summer um symposium or her her, her two-month uh, uh stint in la which she she would have over the years and she was still she was marlon brando's teacher and and i did a monologue on stage for her <laughs> i did mark anthony friends romans countrymen which which brando did in the in the film of julius caesar in shakespeare and and she stopped me halfway or a third of the way 
And she said, darling, darling, that's, that's it's very good. It, you, you look very nice. <laughs> and you have an idea of what you're doing. But you need technique. You need to come to New York and study with me. And I said, okay. <laughs> and, I, and I went to New York and I studied with Stella Adler. Oh, oh, wait. The reason I went is because she said, you've got everything. I said, you could be like Marlon. And I said, and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't say Marlon who. <laughs> now, I, so, I got to ask you, you know, you, you, you're, so you're, you're a young actor and, you know, you're going to New York and everything and you're getting TV parts, you're in K-Pasa and stuff like that. How does Scarface come about? Because you, you, you're, you're a young guy and, and did you know when you went in, went to audition, I'm guessing you auditioned, did you know Pacino was involved or how did that come about? Because that, as a young actor, I just talked to uh, Greg Grunberg, who did uh, Paterno with Pacino, and they didn't tell him it was a Pacino movie because he would have been like, "Holy shit, it's it's a it's a Pacino movie." But how did Scarface come about for you, and and were you intimidated when you went on set? Here, here and I, 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 this is good because your audience is going to hear this story uh, from the horse's mouth. But look at this. Check this out. You see it? Yeah. You can see it. It's a, it's a book. It's the first real Scarface book about the making of Scarface that's come out. There's a few that are coming out, um, but this one's being put. Say hello to my little friend, A Century of Scarface, by a great writer who's done a lot of uh, film studies and books. Um, his name is Nat Siegeloff, okay? And he... And in it, I tell the story of how Scarface happened for me. And it's great. And it just came out. It's, it's everywhere. Um, and he asked the publishers if they thought it would be a good idea to ask me to write the forward. So you see right here, you see it, but yeah. the audience did Forward by Stephen Bauer. So I wrote the forward to the book. Finally published. Uh, on his star-making role as Manny Rivera. Okay, so the story's in here for everybody. Um, but I'm going to tell you quickly. I was in Miami, and I, like I said, I did. I while I was in college theater, I was doing Shakespeare and doing all kinds of things, singing on stage, musicals, and that's what I wanted to do. I didn't have any, and and I did a production of of Mice and Men by John Steinbeck. And and it was with my hero at the time at the University of Miami was was a senior and I was just I was a, I was a junior I came in I transferred from junior college and he was Ray Liotta and he was just the coolest guy I'd ever seen and I thought gee I gotta imitate him and <laughs> and uh, and he didn't he didn't give a shit he didn't give a fuck about me <laughs> he just did not want to see me because i was stealing some of his thunder just you know <laughs> with the girls and uh, and so he he and i both got cast he wanted to play lenny and the director said ray you're george and rocky oh that's what they called me then rocky is playing Lenny. 
get used to it and you guys better get used to each other so we embarked on this tremendous bonding experience where we were george and lenny and before the production every night we'd be out on on the roof with like just talking as the characters and watching the audience come in and then we'd be given the the five minutes to places and we'd come down from the from the roof and we'd enter the stage as the lights came on and it was incredible production and you know, the, the reviews were great and that was my first at the same time i was getting and i had a, a meeting scheduled by um a a former teacher i had at the university at uh, at the junior college miami did Dade Junior College, where I had a psychology class, and that's what he he taught, Manny Mendoza. And he, in the meantime, while I went to Miami, he wrote a a proposal to the federal government to do a bilingual sitcom live, uh, tape live, in Miami about the Cuban exile experience. Three-generation household, and it's called Que Pasa USA. Well, they cast everybody, and they still needed the 17, 18-year-old high school senior who represents the new generation, and he recommended me to come in, and I went in, and they cast me right away. They cast me and said, you're Joe, Joe Pena. So I did that, and then the show was picked up by, it aired, I was a local star in Miami, blah, 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 blah. And uh, it was crazy. It was fan worship. It was ridiculous. And in Miami, while I'm going to school at the University of Miami, and I go in, I take the shows in North Miami at studio. And so, and I'm making money. I got paid $300 an episode. And this the show's still airing, just to give you an idea, public television. I've never gotten a residual check for that. I got paid $300 per episode and that's it. So, but it was my first job acting and I was turning down all kinds of offers to do, to be a male model. And I, I, I just, I just didn't see it. I didn't, I, I couldn't do it. I wanted to be an actor, a serious actor. And so in LA, somebody was casting a movie about la gangs and they called me on at the studio when i was taping kevasa and they and a casting director vivian mccray and she she and they they called me to the phone there were no cell phones then so they called me to the set phone and i get on and she said my name is vivian mccray and i'm casting a, a movie for her producer tony bill and it's about la gangs and we think you're we've been watching kevasa usa wow and we think you're great and you're funny and, and you know, it's great. And uh, we want to fly you to L.A. And I was like, excuse me, what, 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 what do you mean fly? And she said, yeah, we want to fly you to L.A. to audition, to screen test. So that's how that happened, that I got to L.A. And I left before the end of my senior year and um, I never went back. But they did give me an honorary. Be a bachelor of fine arts uh, degree. 
but in the University of Miami. So I, I went to LA and I started working in television. I did the Rockford Files with the great Jim Gardner, James Gardner. And I did From Here to Eternity with B William Devane, Bill Devane, and, and, and Don Johnson, <laughs> who, yeah, um, would later be connected to me, and Kim Basinger. And, but I was not happy just doing television. So that's when I met Stella Adler one summer and she told me to come to, to New York. I went to New York and while I'm in New York, I get, and I'm getting ready to go back to LA because I'm, I'm starving and, um, no work. And I, I didn't want to do any modeling. I didn't want to do that. So I was sticking to my guns and, my agents convinced me to come back to LA and do a TV movie. Er, so on the day that I was leaving, my manager called me. She said, are you standing up? She, I said, yeah, and I'm leaving today. I'm getting on a plane. And she said, all right, sit down for a second. Um, they're casting a movie about Cuban immigrants um, called Scarface. It's a remake of the 1932 original, it's starring Al Pacino. And the next, the second role is his best friend from Cuba. And he's a tall, handsome Cuban. And it's you. And they want to see you today because they've been hearing about you in New York. Because I, I was doing, you know, some, some stuff, some, some stage work and so i she said go to the casting director's apartment and nothing happened i she was vacuuming and she hadn't opened the cast she they hadn't started casting yet but she had heard about me and she wanted to see me before i left new york city and and then and and, and but then i heard that it was, Brian De Palma was directing, and I was like, oh, no, no, <laughs> because I, I wasn't a fan then, but I am a fan now uh, because of what he did with Scarface, Brian De Palma. Amazing. Um, and I and he cast me again, and I did Raising Cain with him, and it was really fun and really great. Good movie, too, Raising Cain with John Lithgow. And you know it? Yeah, I've seen it. You know, Raising Cain, yeah. yeah. Lithgow, Lithgow, yeah, of course. John Lithgow's amazing. Uh, that was fun. And so I go, so I go to her apartment and she says, and she opens the door and I had long hair and I, I had a beard, I think, I had like a little bit of facial hair. And she, she says, are you Stephen Bauer? And I said, yes. She goes, come in, come in, come in. Tell me, tell me everything. Tell me all about you. Tell me everything you've been doing. And I said, so I told her about Stella Adler and she said, okay, do you have time? Do you have a little, a little while before you go to the airport? This is how it happened, Steve. I, I promise you exactly. And I've told this story before, but uh, I love telling it. Uh, she, she said, do you have time? Because I want Brian to meet you, Brian, Brian De Palma. And she goes, he lives here. He lives down in the village. Uh, Hang on a second. And she picks up the phone in her apartment. And she calls Brian De Palma and she goes, Brian, I found your Manny right away. And this guy, you've got to see him. You've got, 
You have time? Yeah. Okay. I'll send them over. And she says, can you get down to the village? And I had, I swear, I had like $3 in my pocket. I had no money, no credit card, nothing. I was fucking broke. And she, and she, she goes, well, get down there somehow. And uh, Brian will be waiting for you. And you still have time to go to Pan American at, at uh, Kennedy Airport. I was going to take a train. And so I go down to the village and I get to one fifth where he lived or maybe still lives there, I think. Yeah. And I, I ring the doorbell. He opens the door in his, in his kind of aloof way. And he goes, are you Stephen Bauer? And I said, yeah, yes. And, and he goes, and he goes, I come in. <laughs> and and I went in and I sat down and he goes, he says, uh, all right, so you know what this is, right? And he goes, first of all, oh, are you Cuban? Are you really Cuban? And I said, yeah, I'm Cuban. I, you, 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 perfecto. You, you're so cubano, cubano, cubano. And he goes, okay, okay, okay. Don't, don't be, I, I don't know. I don't know what you're saying, but I, I, I trust that's Cuban. <laughs> I said, it's Cuban Spanish. It really is. And he said, okay, okay, because we want as much authenticity because Al Pacino is playing a Cuban and we're going to take some heat from about that. <laughs> okay. And I said, I'll teach him, uh, I, you know, I, I'll, I'll. And, and he said, all right, all right, all right. He goes, anyway, uh, you're leaving today. And I said, yeah. Uh, yeah, I got to get to the airport. And he goes, okay, going to LA, uh, hang on a second. And he picks up the phone and he calls and he goes, Marty, Marty, he goes, give me Marty Bregman. Marty. And he goes, yeah, I've got Stephen Bauer here and he, he is really Cuban. And, uh, yeah, he looks perfect. He's perfect. Uh, Manny. Okay. All right, I'll tell him. Hangs up and he says, all right, tomorrow when you're in L.A., go to Universal. There'll be a pass for you. Go to Marty Bregman's office. He's going to give you the script. Learn it. Learn it. And in a few weeks, we're going to have auditions here in New York. We'll fly you back here for auditions again i heard the term fly me <laughs> fly me fly me to the moon fly me to new york for auditions i go wow really okay like that <laughs> he said yeah yeah okay and at the time i was vying for a movie that was not set yet because i one of the heroes one not really a hero but i had the sort of the look and I really got the sound my voice has that sound this is the end beautiful friend you know who that is all right of Jim Morrison yeah. so because I grew up in Miami and that's where the bust was and 67 and I, I was very upset and it went downhill from there for poor Jim and and so in L.A., when I first got to L.A., I'm, I'm, I'm detouring for a second. In L.A., I 
took every opportunity because everybody would say, and I wore my hair sort of long, and and people said, and I and the first photos, the first uh, headshots I took when I was not smiling in the shot uh, and I was just moody. Um, people would say, "Oh my God, you look like Jim Morrison." And I said, mm, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I want to do the, a movie. I want to do the movie. But, you know, I didn't have the producer mentality. So, which if I did at 21, 22, when I was in L.A., when I got to L.A., I would have gone after the rights. Or, But I didn't think that way. I was just wanting to get cast in good stuff. But I wanted to play Jim Morrison, and I would take any opportunity at a party that I got invited to to get up on a table and start and, and sing. And people say, wow, you got to play Jim Morrison. You've got to play when they do the movie. And then this stupid book came out called No One Here Gets Out Alive <laughs> by, by um, Sugarman, Danny Sugarman, who worked as a mailboy for the, and he was a groupie of Jim Morrison, and he wrote this book, No One Here Gets Out Alive. And it's basically his experiences with, with Jim. And lo and behold, right before I go to meet Brian De Palma, who at that time was not my favorite film director, I didn't like his work that, that much. Um, I. In Variety, the headline is uh, Universal uh, De Palma set to direct No One Here Gets Out. It says Morrison biopic. And I was like, I just was like, oh, no, no. And, and furthermore, it said, probably it said most likely it will, it will uh, uh, repartnering uh, of Brian De Palma with his John Travolta playing Jim Morrison, and I was like, no, no, they're doing the movie, and I didn't even get in on it. So, so when I heard Brian De Palma was do, it was gonna do this movie Scarface, and I go in and I meet him. And then he says, okay, go and uh, meet, go meet Marty and get this, you know, read the script. And I, as I stand up, I see on his desk, there's a copy of No One Here Gets Out Alive. <laughs> and I just saw that he's set to direct the movie with his buddy, John Travolta. Oh my God. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't help myself. I went like this. I just stopped as he said goodbye, and I went, and I pointed down at the book, and I said, this right here? And he goes, yeah. I said, I'm playing Jim Morrison. I'm playing Jim Morrison. Okay? He's like, what do you, get out of here. <laughs> so I didn't, with him, I was like, oh, this guy's not going to, he doesn't. He's not gonna want me to play Manny. He's he's gonna. He's, he already thinks I'm crazy. But it it all worked out. I went to L.A. I went in to meet Marty Bregman, who had been, you probably know, Pacino's first manager, and produced 
uh, uh, cervical and and uh, Dante afternoon, I think, with Sidney Lumet. And and then they were they were partnering on on Scarface, and so I go and I meet the man, Marty Bregman, and he, he had a deep voice like this. He spoke like this. He said, "All right." He goes, "So you're you're Stephen Bauer? Are you really Cuban?" And I said, "Yeah, I'm Cuban." And I, and I I spoke some Cuban to him, and he's and he goes, "All right, all right, all right. Listen to me." you're going to do this movie. And I said, what? <laughs> I was like, okay, yes, sir. And he said, you're going to play Manny, but you've got to be really patient because Al's not ready to meet anybody. He's got something else he's got to do. And I was like, okay. And he says, he said, I understand. Oh, at the time I got an offer for my first feature and it was an independent feature out of Canada about a real true american sports hero athlete um he was half native american and his name was billy mills and it was a movie about his rising from reservation and, and to becoming a, an olympic athlete in the 64 olympics in tokyo Anyway, so it's Billy Mills and, and story, and it's called Running Running Brave. And Canadian director with some, some he had, had some success, and right away they wanted me because I I I went in in L.A. and so he saw me on that same day, and right away they were calling my agents. We want Stephen Bauer to play Billy Mills. And I, so I told Mr. Bregman, I said, I, I, I just went in for a movie this morning uh, and they called already and they want me to do this movie. And he goes, when does this start? And I said, I, I think at the end of the summer. And he goes, well, that's when we start Scarface. We want to start in September. So you're going to have to tell them to wait for you or you're going to have to pass. And I said, what do you mean? And he goes, you're going to do this movie. I was like, oh my God, but what, what do I tell my agents? Can you tell them that, that I'm in, that I'm playing men? And they said, and he said, I can't do that. I can't offer you the role until Al sees you. He goes, but when Al sees you, he's going to fall in love with you. You're, you're, you're it. You're it. Believe me. And we need, authenticity because they're going to take a lot of shots at Al for playing Cuban. All right. Okay. That was a big thing at the time, the appropriation thing, the cultural appropriation, whoever invented that, that phrase. Uh, and so he, so Bregman said, listen to me, you've got to be patient. Tell these people, the other movie, just, Keep them, you know, okay, just keep them at bay and tell them that you're waiting to hear some news. And, oh boy, that didn't go well with the other filmmakers because I 
So that was it, my meeting with, with Marty Bregman. And uh, as far as I understood, in a few weeks, they would fly me back to New York to meet Al and do some auditions. But it took the whole summer, and I was broke. I, I was married to Melanie, and I was we broke because I didn't want to do commercials. I didn't want to do soap operas. I didn't want to do modeling. <laughs> so... I was delivering furniture in New York right up until I left. And so we were broke. And my agents wanted me to accept the offer for the Canadian film. And it was a beautiful script and a great, great role. I the kind of thing I wanted to do. But, and so the director would call me and go, what's going on? Why won't you? And I say, because because Mr. Bregman, because Mr. Bregman, may rest in peace, he was a beautiful man, beautiful, he really, really impacted my life. He, Mr. Bregman said, I'm doing Scarface. And, and he said, have I offered you the role? And I said, no, we can't do that yet. And he said, well, you have to do this movie. It's you. And, and there was an, uh, a Native American tribe, or they were Canadian actually, that were financing the film about Billy Mills. Oh my God! And my screen test—they they saw it playing Billy Mills and a few scenes, and they saw it and they approved me. So they, that movie was going to be done. And they were they wanted to fit me for a wig with the long hair and then a crew cut for the Olympics and oh my god and the training with the running with the eight hundred meters and I had to keep I had to keep telling them and my agents because my agents would say well why doesn't Bregman why won't he just call us and tell us I said because he because. Because if he, yes, I just sounded stupid, and my agents were like, "You're stupid. <laughs> what is wrong with you? You don't. You need a job. You've been wanting this kind of role. You won't do soap operas. Soap operas. You don't want to do any more television. You said you want to do a great movie, and and this is a chance. And I go, yeah, but it's, it, but Scarface could be a great movie. And they go, but you don't have it. <laughs> And he's not offering it to you. And you don't know if you're going to get it. And so I had to go through this all summer. I even got to a point where the director, God, I hope he's not listening. The director would call me from Canada and in the middle of the night, there were no cell phones. Again, I reiterate, no cell phones. You had to have a phone by the bed, you know, stumble to get it. And in the middle of the night, and he would say, you're fucking up your life and you're destroying this film by believing those sharks, those Hollywood sharks, that you're going to do this movie. And I said, no, Mr. Bregman said, he goes, that, they're just feeding you a bunch of bull. And meanwhile, you've got a beautiful, beautiful film that you could do. God, I hope he doesn't listen to this podcast. Jesus, I haven't seen or heard of him in four, what is it? How many years since Scarface? 
40, 40, 40, yeah, 40. 40, I was 14 at the, at the time. And so, um, yeah, so I went through all that anguish and, and, and cycle stuff with uh, the other film. And, and every week I'd call Mr. Bregman and I'd say, Mr. Bregman, Mr. Bregman, Marty, can I call you Marty? And Marty, the director of the film is calling me and haunting me every night and he's saying that in the end i they're good you're gonna choose john travolta or richard Gere, and i'm gonna be missing out on doing a great little film and marty bergman said to me famously he said he said Stephen, he said, how many people do you think will see that movie, no matter how beautiful it is and how good you are? He said, I don't know. And he goes, very few. You know how many people will see you in Scarface? I said, mm, a lot. And he goes, the whole world. <laughs> I said, okay. And I said, but am I, am I doing Scarface? And he said, yeah, you're going to do Scarface. Uh, uh, Al is not going to be a problem. He, like I said, he will love you the moment he sees you. And you guys will be perfect together. And that's how it happened. We saw when, when they flew me to New York, uh, at the end of the summer, when I already was basically kissing the other movie goodbye, and they had to cast someone else. And ill feelings all, you know, everywhere. And uh, I went to New York and they put me in an office. Marty brought, put me in an office where Al was sitting waiting for me and I walked in and uh, it was, you know, it was chemistry with love at first sight. And he smiled and he said, okay, so here you are. Uh, he goes, so can I ask you a question? I said, what? And he goes, if you're Cuban, why is your name Steve Bauer? <laughs> <laughs> I said, it's a long story. <laughs> Nobody could pronounce my name, Echevarria, in Hollywood, not in the 70s. They just, it just was not going over well. First of all, it's too big to when you look at it, it's got too many letters that just don't make sense. If your primary language is English and you've never seen, you know, a 10 letter word, uh, name or something. But nowadays it's like nothing, you know, it's very, very common to keep your name. I just, after three years and having casting directors go how do you pronounce it or they would or they would say so you're latin uh and i said yeah well i am but it, you know and they'd see me as a gang member or something and so i my dad actually said to me change it let go let it go let it go use another name. You can use a family name, your mother's side, Bauer. And I said, oh, yeah. 
this symbol and it doesn't call attention to itself. I said, I don't want a name that calls attention to the name. I just want something simple that, so that they could focus on, on me and what I, on my work, not on the name. See, I wasn't going with the old Hollywood um, ideas of like, you get a name like Valentine or, or something like, hard you know even rocky that i was when i was a kid i just as soon as stone's movie the the, the first movie came out and i was in college and all my friends were like there's a movie there's a movie that named after you because i was rocky all through like age 22 or something and and rocky was okay it was okay because one of my heroes growing up was rocky marciano I loved Rocky Marciano. He was the, the the only undefeated heavyweight champ, and he died in a plane crash when he was going to a charity event. So he was a beautiful person, and I I I that was one of the people that really made it. Again, I'm using the word impact. Made made a profound impact on me when I was 13 years old, and so. My name was Rocky because my grandfather loved Rocky Marciano. And when I was born, I was 11 pounds, 12 ounces, which is a big baby. It was a big baby. And they fed me really well my whole first year. And I was a big baby, a big, big chubby baby. <laughs> and, and my grandfather said, he's Rocky. He's going to be another Rocky Marciano. And so I was okay being Rocky because my first name was like my father and like my grandfather, Esteban, Esteban. But in the United States, Esteban is a Spanish name. It's the same name as Stephen. So I, I became Stephen and Echeverria was too long and everybody made a fuss about it. So I became Stephen Bauer. That's awesome. I, I wanted to talk, ask you, tell me what it was like on set for Scarface, though, because it, it must have been so, and you, you were probably so happy to finally be there because you just said it took forever. So what was it like when you got on set, and were you nervous to work next to Al because he he's legendary? Yes. Um, yes, but and people would ask me that, uh, even when I started, when we finally started, because we, again, they gave us the opportunity to spend every day together for about a month. Al, I was living in Malibu in a little shack on on the on the water and on the on the PCH, and Al moved to California temporarily to do the movie. And he took a really nice place up the beach, up the highway, a ways, like 10 minutes away, driving. And every morning I would get my little car and I would drive up Pacific Coast Highway and pull into his beautiful, beautiful Malibu home that he, you know, that he took just for, for the, for the fall, for the, and, 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 we would have breakfast together. I'd go in and we'd, and we'd just sit and talk 
And I would, I started using the accent. Mind you, uh, they had hired a, a an accent coach with a great dialect dialect coach named Robert Easton. Um, he was fantastic, and he would give. He was hired to to give the the hard and and and, and uh, uh, rules of the of the language of the of the sound, and he was good. He was good what he was teaching because. He gave the tools to master the the R's and the and different pronunciation of the vowels in in the in the not only in the Spanish language but the dialect. So, and Al really wanted to get it, and he also, but he also added, be exactly like mine, because in the first scene he says, uh, you know. My father, he was a Yankee. Yeah. So he, so he's got an American father. Okay. So maybe his his accent is not exactly like mine. Well, you know. So I would talk. I would I would work with both of them, and I would add words that were not in the script. There were like there were just the. The slang that I knew, uh, come on, man, man, right? Which has now be, become, you know, something that that isn't. It's Scarface is known for is that that phrase, man. Yeah, what are you doing, man? And qué pasa, man? And so, so how really got that that man? And I also taught him some of the slang, some of the. Um, Coño, you know, when when you're, it just it it serves the same pur- purpose as when when in English or Americans say fuck or <laughs> you say coño uh, in Spanish, that kind of thing. So we worked a lot, Steve. We worked every day, not really on the script. Learning our lines was not. He 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 taught me that he doesn't run over read the read the scenes too much so that it doesn't and I learned this also from a great acting coach Harry Master George told me that you don't read it out loud because you start setting you start influencing your mind to set a way that you're saying the line and then what happens is when you're shooting or when you're on stage you're not in the moment you're delivering a practiced delivery of the line see and 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 i had learned that before but al said that too he said i just immerse i just want to talk about our lives before we came to the united states our lives in Cuba, as as petty criminals, who were jailed, who had been in the army, and and I knew a lot about that because my generation of Cuban boys, who did not leave Cuba when I did, a lot of them ended up in the army in the seventies, 
and being shipped off to Angola, to the war in Angola. And so many young boys, young Cuban boys, died in Angola that they stopped shipping the bodies back to Cuba. They were just buried in in Africa, in Angola. And so, again, fate, that was my fate, that I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't grow up there. And so I told, I told Al, I would, I would give him those little, you know, tidbits of, of information so that, like he said, it imbues you with an idea of who you are, of what your life is, of what your history is. And it's not something you practice. It's something that will, will come out in your delivery if you haven't practiced your delivery of the line because people you know people it was always funny to me that people when i started acting people would always say oh you make these great faces i said i'm not making them i'm not making faces (laughs) i just have big features and i'm i'm being the character i'm not planning i don't stand in front of the mirror and 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 say oh this is funny or this this is gonna look cute or yeah, i look handsome here or i look bold or or i look mean and and, and people say oh you, you you've got really good mean faces and i'm no no i didn't i don't <laughs> god but but people think that you know people who don't you know and they're not really they don't really know about uh, acting and what it is and 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 why actors are the way they are why they are successful last night i i turned uh, jen on to analyze this because i i don't know i saw it i saw a scene from it somewhere and and i saw billy crystal and and de niro oh my god and De Niro, De Niro's face, I mean, he makes great faces. <laughs> no, he is, it was just his turn to, to finally get to do comedy, some real comedy. I mean, he's, he's great in King of Comedy uh, also. It's great. But n- n- very few opportunities, you know, came his way until that. And it opened up a new career for him, which is fun. It was fun, it, you know. He was it, time to have some fun um, with characters, and he's brilliant in it. it. Him and and Billy Crystal, and the and the dialogue is so terse. It's so perfect. It's just and Harold Ramis, you know, direction. Everybody, Chas Montieri, Lisa Kudrow. It's so great, and, it's, and that's what we wanted to do. It's the kind of thing that Alan and I wanted to do, where we had some humor in an otherwise very intense story. That there was humor between us because we'd been through so much already in our lives. Now, the audience doesn't have to be, we don't have to fill them in as to what we've been through. It comes out in the performance. So when people said to me, would say to me, after they saw Scarface for the first time, they say, and you guys are so, the chemistry and 
little things, the humor, the way you look at each other. Well, yes, because we had spent time together and we created a whole life, a whole previous life in Cuba that we had been through hell. And now we were in heaven in America. And and that was the technique. That's what I told Bob Dylan when he, he wanted to know, how did you guys get that? How did you guys have that chemistry? I said, because we spent all this time. We, had, we were given the opportunity, the luxury of spending time together before we ever went on a soundstage at Universal and started blocking the scenes more or less for the camera and and and, and Brian De Palma would would sort of you know he storyboards everything so he's planning how to shoot each scene how we enter and how we depart the scene what goes on in it is he's going to give his his ideas his preferences but we were going to work through it. Al and I were, would work through where we were going to go, how we moved, when we moved. It just would sort of start evolving organically. And that was... So, so Steve, to answer your question, uh, nervous? I had no time to be nervous. I was in it. I was in the moment with him. And yes, uh, Obviously, he was one of my heroes. He was definitely one of my absolute like idol, uh, idols. Uh, Dog Day Afternoon, super cool. And then the Godfathers, the two Godfathers, and at that point, and I was, I was amazed by him. And De Niro, uh, those are my heroes. And and Depardieu, actually, from, from the French film, from the early films that he did. Um, I, I met, I didn't meet Al before I met him in the office. But I was like a foot away from him because I, I went to see, this is, this is funny, another funny story. I talk about like being nervous and with Al I got to, somehow somebody invited me before that day that they announced Scarface I was in New York and I got tick I got tickets I got invited to be in the front row at the circles theater circle in the square I think for the production of American Buffalo by David Mamet that Al was doing Al Pacino was doing and he'd been doing it for a while and I was God, but I couldn't believe it I went and I was in the front row and he he, he was spitting on me he was so <laughs> intense and so and he spoke and he's like this and and he and, and literally there was I was right like below him and afterward, I got invited to to like an, an after party at, at a local place, an Italian place that was great in New York in those days, and in the village. 
and I and I went and I sit at the corner of a long table. I sit at this corner here. And of course there's a seat at the head of the table and nobody was sitting there. Nobody's sitting there. And here comes Al after the show. And he's kind of shy. He's always hiding you know, a little bit. And he, and, and he comes in and he sits. They say, you sit there, Al. And he's going, yeah, okay, okay. And he sits down, thank you, thank you. And everybody's like, yay. And I'm sitting right there. I was sitting there for like two hours while everybody ate. I don't think I ate or drank or did anything. I was just sitting there and I thought, what am I going to ask him? What am I going to ask him? How do I introduce myself? And it just didn't happen. It just didn't happen. And I don't know if he saw me and just was shy about initiating any contact, but that was it. I had been there, I had been right beside him, and then two months later, fate, three months later, no, four months later, I went to New York, and I was brought to him as meet the guy that should play Manny. We just need your approval. And he said, yes, of course. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That, that's and awesome. That, so I did. So I didn't have time to be to be nervous. My friends would ask me when I got cast, and they were they were hearing about it, and they'd say, "Are are you nervous? Are you are you you working with Al Pacino? Are you are your scenes with him? You have a lot of scenes." I go, "I have a lot of scenes <laughs> with him," and they go, "So are you nervous around him?" And I go, "No, he's my friend. He's we're, we're brothers. You know, we're." We're in this thing, and uh, and it's, there's no, there's nothing that, there's no room for, for that. And so we start putting it on its feet, as they say, putting the, putting, it was like we rehearsed it like a play, like scene, 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 in different sets. And, and we rehearsed it for three weeks, so, sort of just to get the camera to, and Brian to decide with the great John Alonzo, who, he passed away. John Alonzo, the cameraman, the the cinematographer, and they were planning how they work around this and and work around the other actors, Bob Loja and Harris Eulin and oh God and everybody was so great. Gigi, he's he's still with us, and he and I are great friends. Oh, you've probably seen the Shoe Palace ads that yeah. him and I, yeah, and uh, shot by Al Pacino's daughter Julie Pacino, who's amazing, amazing, amazing uh, photographer and filmmaker. And I'm keeping my fingers crossed because she, every time she shoots me, she says, "I'm going to write a film for you. I'm going to write a film. I love shooting you." I, I'm, I'm, we're going to do a movie together. So let's see. We're going to see about that. We'll see about that. I'll, I'll, I, I won't think twice. Uh, I, I got to ask you, um, I still have a lot more to cover with you. Can we, can we do this again in a few weeks? Yeah. Because I, 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 I love the stories and I, I want, I, I want to find out because we'll wrap it up and we'll come back in a few weeks, but I want to find out how did you end up in the Arrhythmics video? 
because after Scarface and and I was back in LA and and I think that uh, there was this little girl from Texas who was making a name for herself shooting videos and she was going to be a big time film director and she um, she was was chosen to do that video the would I lie to you video because of her style and her she just she had a great feel and and she and they said who who do you want and she said I want Stephen Bauer <laughs> and uh and then she told them and Annie Lennox apparently said yes that guy yes and so there I was. I just I had to cross the street. I lived right there in West Hollywood, a couple of streets away, and I went and shot it at the at the Roxy in the parking lot at the Roxy Rainbow, and uh, and on stage at the Roxy, and that was so much fun. And I got to play Jim Morrison basically <laughs> with my with my long hair, and I was still waiting to see who was going to do Jim Morrison. And that's another story. I'll tell you that tomorrow. Yeah, we got to we got to reset because I know because I know in the beginning you wanted you had forty minutes. You've been there like almost for an hour and twenty minutes. I, I there's so much more to talk to you about, and uh, I know you're gonna have to take a pee. <laughs> I'm gonna have to take a pee now. Uh, but okay, so what we're gonna do is I'll email you after. How can people follow you? What's your Instagram? Official Stephen Bauer. Okay. So people, stay tuned because we're going to come back in, in the near future and do this. But follow him. Follow me on Twitter. It's at Cooper Talk. Go to my website, coopertalk.net. You can find over 985 episodes. Email me, cooper at coopertalk.net. Remember, I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guest. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins, and I'll talk to you next time.